This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today, you can hear Open Country. I'm walking along a, a perfectly straight driveway. It's, it's a road about half a mile long with an obelisk at one end and with one of the United Kingdom's grandest and most impressive and probably most famous stately homes at the other end. And all the way along this road, dotted on each side, are Christmas trees. And they're all lit up with sparkly lights. And it is very, very atmospheric. I've come to Castle Howard and I am with Brian Deaton, who is the head gardener here. We're just tiptoeing past one of these Christmas trees at the moment, and they, they look fabulous, don't they? They really make you feel oh, yes. Christmassy, don't they, Brian? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a lovely sight and a lovely feeling once we start putting the Christmas trees up. How many are there? We've got eight, about 43 trees outside, and in total we put something like about 62 Christmas trees up in total, and they're ranging from sort of three foot up to about 22 foot this year. That's a lot of Christmas lights yes. to, to, to check the bulbs on and to fit round these, these trees, isn't it? Yeah, our Christmas generally starts sort of October time, checking lights, making sure they're all OK. And then the beginning of November, we start putting Christmas trees up. It's just a, a beautiful setting here. And the house itself is really, really impressive. It has this fantastic dome that kind of rises up out of the middle of it. And it's this lovely pale stone. Because the, the thing that everybody who comes here notices, though, the first thing they see is your work, Brian, because they all see the gardens, don't they? Yeah, it is. As soon as the visitors hit the obelisk, that's it. You know, they're into the grounds. And uh, to me, there's no place better, really. As we look out from here, we, we've got lakes down in the, in the bottom down there. We've got formal gardens, we've got trees, there's forests, there's a, a walled garden over there. It's a heck of a lot of work to keep it all going. How much garden do you look after? We look after about 100 acres of grounds. And how big a team of people do you have working on it all? We've got eight, a team of eight, with myself. But a lot of people say to us, well, what do you do in winter? Like, you know, they think we must hibernate, but we don't, you know, we're on the go all the time. When we're open in the summer, there's lots of jobs we can't do because there's a lot of visitors about. This time of year, we can close little sections of the gardens off if we're wanting to sort of take some trees down or take some dead branches out. At the moment, today, not a very nice day to be out on the soil and that. So I've got some lads out, you know, making sure the roadsides are right, water's draining away. Got another team, two lads on, putting some oak barrels in half so we can renew some plants, some plantings that we've got. These stately homes, you know, Britain's grand houses, they've always really known how to do Christmas, haven't they? There'd have been parties and balls and all that kind of thing. And of course, nowadays, Christmas is just a, an enormous commercial opportunity for estates like this. How much work do you and the rest of your team have to put into the run-up to Christmas? I suppose we stopped gardening for approximately a month from the end of October to the end of November 
we're not gardeners, we're tree decorators and digging holes to put more trees in and carrying big trees into the castle and finding twigs and spraying twigs gold and silver and red. The, the twigs are a real sort of unique thing about Castle Howard and Christmas, aren't they? Tell me what you mean by twigs and spraying twigs. This is actually a young tree, probably of about 10 to 15 years old, and we actually cut the tree down and take all the leaves off it, get it into a shed, let it dry, and then we'll spray it, we'll varnish it. Some will spray gold, some will spray white, some will spray red. And then we take them into the house and they actually hang baubles off it. It started off with one twig because we didn't open for Christmas. Mr Howard also had a twig at the bottom of his staircase. And Howard's obviously at the family who, who live in this house. Yeah, and it was tradition and they had these lovely glass baubles at the pot. And it was always a treat for us to sort of get in and set this thing up in this ice cooler and then cover it with moss and then Mr Howard would decorate it. And, you know, it was also a sneaking after to have a look at it and see how it'd done, like, you know. Then it became that as soon as we started opening for Christmas, we had to find more twigs. So And they're deciduous trees. They're not fir trees at all. No, they're and they're oak. Completely different to a, a traditional Christmas tree. They're an oak top, and it's got to be oak, nothing else. Do you really look forward to when all the trees go up? And, and the whole place takes on a kind of, a, almost like a magical air, doesn't it, at this time of year? Yeah, it sort of turns into nearly like a fairy tale castle. You know, as you look down the drive, you just see all these little twinkling lights. And the great thing for you is the trees, they actually grow here. If we just look over to our left-hand side over there, forests. That's, that's what you do here as well. You have forestry and you can grow your own Christmas trees. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Castle Howard is one of Yorkshire's biggest tourist attractions. There's, there's around 230,000 people visit here every year and around 30,000 of them come in the four weeks over Christmas. And Hannah Jones runs the visitor attraction side of the estate. That's, that's a lot of people, Hannah. That's a lot of people coming through the doors and a lot of people in four weeks. Um, it's a very concentrated period. This house was built in the early 18th century. Yeah. The, the Howard family have been in residence here for, what, ten generations. Yeah. Was, it, was Christmas always a big affair here? Well, funnily enough, in times past, uh, not so much. You may imagine that there, there were massive Christmases here to take advantage of the space and the dining quarters, etc. But the information in our archives is that in previous years, the family probably spent their Christmases in London. Um, if you imagine, in the 18th century... Travelling to Castle Howard would be cold, wet, difficult, um, and to heat the house would be enormous. Um, so a smaller property in London was probably where they were. So we haven't got lots and lots of pictures of the family in hundreds of years ago uh, enjoying Christmas here, but obviously in recent years they have spent Christmases here just like any other normal families. We've just come into the house itself and we're making our way up a very grand stone staircase where are we now? We've, we've walked into this terrific high ceiling room with amazing freezes in the, in the middle of the ceiling here. Yeah, we're in the Great Hall here, which is the grand entrance to Castle Howard and is particularly known for its fantastic dome, similar to St Paul's, that sort of thing, which it's is so unusual impressive. on a private house. 
So we're in the Great Hall uh, with the massive Christmas tree. How many people does it take to get a tree like that in here? Because it must be 35 feet yes, tall. It's about that. Um, it takes the whole of our garden team, um, but that is, I think, only about eight people. So they're well versed at doing it now. It's, it's, a, it's a very fine art, getting it through the door and up. And everybody's very pleased when it is up. Yeah. The tree that you have in here, it comes from the estate. We're going to go and have a look and see where all the Christmas trees that, that are dotted all over the estate are growing. Yeah, this is um, the Christmas tree field in Prettywood. It was a cleared area which we planted around about 25 years ago with Norway spruce and these are now being harvested every year to provide the 25 to 35 foot trees that we sell to various clients. There's 2,000 acres of commercial forestry here at Castle Howard and we are in the deepest part of a, a beautiful wood. I'm with Nick Cook, who's the head forester here. We've got this great variety of colours from the, the leaves that are still just clinging onto the trees and uh, great browns and russets there and then the kind of pale greens of the trunks down into this deep brown bracken. Yeah, autumn's a very special time in the oak woods and often we're in here this time of year collecting acorns as well to grow into oak trees to plant out on the estate. So the trees that you, you grow on the estate now, they come from this estate? Yes, they do. Yeah, We've planted about 5,000 oaks in the last five years on the estate from local grown seed, and they provide the oak woods for the future and future generations of the family. About 50-year-old, this plant on the left. They're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they're ready for felling. So. Big trees. How, how tall are they, would you say? Oh, these will be 60, 70 foot tall, and we should be felling these for timber. Then we should be replanting them with a mixture of conifer species. Where, where does it go? Where does the timber go? Uh, mostly sawmills for various things, construction, fencing. That's the softwoods. The oaks go for all sorts of purposes, depending on the quality of the timber. So quiet in these woods. The, the only noise, really... Is of us creeping through the vegetation and the odd drip of water because it's a, it's a real still grey kind of day. Yeah. You just see the little bridge across in the stream. So this, this this whole area through there is designated as a natural reserve. So we won't do any forestry work right in the bottom. And we have otters who come up the streams and it's all completely natural right through there. And that's down on our woodland management plan to, to leave this as a natural area. It seems like a really ancient wood. How old are these woods? Well, these are ancient woodlands. Um, that, that's a designation, actually. That's, isn't a designation. that's, that's a proper designation. They are we ancient have, woodlands. We have 550 hectares of designated ancient woodlands. They're about 125 years old, these oaks. Well, there's one part of the woodland here on the estate that really comes into its own at this time of year. And all those oaks are in front of me. But if I just turn round. Right behind me, there's a great slab of coniferous forest, and this is where you've been growing Christmas trees. That's right, this is one of our Christmas tree fields. This was a, an open space that was planted approximately 25 years ago, and these are grown specifically for Christmas trees. And how big are these? How tall will a tree grow in quarter of a century? The tallest of these are about 35, 40 foot. 
we take trees out of here up to up to 35 feet for Christmas trees. Yeah, so it's not it's not your average house Christmas tree that we've got here. You, you, no, you, you need a pretty big gaff, wouldn't you, to uh, to fit one of these in? Most of these big trees that we sell go to town centres. How many trees do you need to provide for the estate itself? Because there's trees everywhere at this time of year. You yeah. can't you can't escape them. The Christmas trees on the drives we supply. There are 42 along the drive. And then there are other trees in the house as well. And when the trees are lit up at night, it's an absolutely stunning sight. Let's walk down through these trees here, because they're equally wonderful here, aren't they? They're beautiful, beautiful. We've had a good crop out of these, and over the years we'll have sold in excess of 525-foot trees out of here. Nick, how much would it set me back if I wanted one of these 35-foot trees Uh, to to go in my my little sitting room at home? Well, if you had a 30-foot tree and you could collect it, it would cost you around about £250. It feels like we're... uh... We're extras in the, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe here. We're going through the uh, through the woodland and I'm falling down great forestry roots here where the, the big machinery's come through. What conditions do you need to grow a Christmas tree? What, what are the perfect conditions for one? Well, for Norway spruce, which is what these are, ideally a little bit of moisture retention in the soil. So a reasonable soil, not really light sandy land. That's not really very good for Christmas trees. But we don't want the Christmas trees to grow too fast either, so it doesn't need to be really rich soil. Why, why don't you want them to grow too fast? If they grow too fast, they're a poor shape. People like the trees to be compact, bushy, so they can decorate them. It's, it's all about the trees growing steadily. The seed origin is important. These trees come from a German seed source, and they're slower growing. They're later pushing, so they don't get bothered by frosts when they're young. What do you mean by laser flushing? Although these are evergreen, they produce new needles every year. And some Norway spruce varieties are prone to late frost damage. So these later flushing varieties tend to miss the spring frosts. We're just, um, I'm just having to bend down here <laughs> to, to avoid a large branch of Norway spruce. But if we, if we take hold of it here, these particular needles they, these are the ones that fall off all over your carpet aren't they they are yes uh, are these are these still popular this these types of christmas tree norway spruce isn't as popular as it was i think people have gone on to non-needle drops basically i feel because houses are probably warmer centrally heated and the non-needle drop trees will will hold their needles however to me the smell of a norway spruce is is christmas when you were a kid you know, and the tree goes up and the room smells. The non-needle drops don't have that. If you have your Norway spruce cut, late as possible, fresh, keep it in water in a proper stand, it won't lose many needles. But people put them in earlier and earlier, and the tree is just under so much stress, it's no wonder it drops needles. So I'm just ripping a few of these needles out of this branch here. Apologies to the tree, but if we just smell them. Yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? It's that lovely, sharp, resiny kind of smell, isn't it? It is. Yeah. When I put our Christmas tree into our house on the 20th of December, the whole house smells of Christmas. So it's it's great. We've just turned a, a corner on this forest track that we're walking down, and uh, there's, there's an articulated lorry in front of us. You don't really expect to see that in the middle of a, a forest, but they're loading a, a very large Christmas tree onto the back of it. A couple of guys over here, and they're just strapping it on at the moment. Morning, guys. Morning. Hello there. Morning. Where, where's this tree going, then? Uh, it's going to Potter Cabins at York. 
Paul Dickinson. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's, that's, that's the company. Yeah. So how how hard has it been to get this on this lorry then? No, oh, not a problem. No. <laughs> easy, easy putting the, putting the trees on the back of here. This is Kevin Gill, you're a haulier, and this is the, the second tree that you've transported in the, the last couple of days or so. And this is Michael Merrick that I'm talking to here. No. How, how difficult is it to transport these things? Because you, do, you don't want it to fall off on, oh, no, the, no, on no, the motorway, do you really? Stop them up quite well. We'll put one round stump. See, it's actually quite tight. Yeah, really tight And then cables. what we do, we'll put a strap over and zigzag it over so we keep all the foliage in to the wagon so it's not flopping them out on the motorway. What are you up to, Kevin, here? Just uh, going to tighten up this last bit of strap to uh, to make sure nothing's going to come loose. Because uh, the last thing we want is to lose a Christmas tree down on the A64 somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, do you do the Christmas tree in your house? Is it a work of art? Oh, yes. <laughs> I've got to be one that sets Christmas tree up, yeah. Not recipe decorations, I'm not bothered about what Christmas tree is now, baby. Yeah, oh, yeah, you, are you a bit of a perfectionist then? Yeah, oh, yeah. Where do, where do they grow these trees then? Where, where might we see one? Well, we've got trees this year going to Selby Town Centre, Goole Town Centre, Brayton. We've got trees going into York, trees going into Filey. So they go, they go um, to quite a few of the local towns and businesses. How long have you been growing these trees, Nick, personally? I've been growing Christmas trees for nearly 40 years now from seed. So all these trees I sew as seed and now we're seeing the other end of the of the circle so we're watching them go for Christmas trees and when you see them in a, in a town centre you, you must feel a, a kind of paternalism almost do you <laughs> I'm, it's nice to see them I'm not sure about paternalism <laughs> I'm not really a, a tree hugger but it's nice to see a good Christmas tree and it's really nice that, that it's Christmas and people enjoy it eventually here when we've taken all the trees that are commercially saleable as Christmas trees this field eventually will be replanted and the process begins again. It's all about sustainability. It's all about continuity. We've driven about a mile, two miles, through the forest, up onto some of the formal parkland of the estate, and now we're at, well, this is where it all starts, aren't we? This is the, the nursery where you, you grow the young trees. Yeah, there's been a nursery here for around about 55 years. Do you know, I almost walked past these. There's a, a row here of tiny, tiny little green Christmas tree shoots just springing out of the ground. Yep, so this is Norway spruce. These were sown by hand in first week in May and they're in the seed beds for another year after this. So we will undercut them, which means we put a blade underneath them and that gives them a nice fibrous root. We'll grow them on another year and then we move them out and plant them by hand in the nursery and then we'll move them out um, from there into the fields or we'll sell them to customers. And they're tiny. They're, tiny. they're, they're about an inch tall. It's one of the marvellous things about growing anything from seed, whether it's a spruce or a, a, an acorn, that in that tiny, tiny seed is all the potential for what we've seen in the wood, a 25, 30-foot Christmas tree. And this is the start. Let's just walk over there. There, there are some other trees just a little bit further along in the growth cycle. These ones must be about, I don't know, four foot tall. And we can already see here that the ones that I guess are going to fly out of the nursery and into people's living rooms, can't we? That's right. This is one of our blocks of trees. We plant them in small blocks of 500 to 750, which are manageable. We plant them a metre apart, and then we, we try and keep them pretty much weed-free. But then we shear them in the summer, 
and that makes them bushy so they get more buds and bushy trees and then late in summer we will do a prune and shear which shapes them up again and we will cut these absolutely brand fresh and that's the secret is fresh trees how difficult is it to get a tree that people are going to want to go out and buy it's very difficult because what's somebody's perfect christmas tree is somebody else's nightmare some want them thin, some want them bushy, some want them five foot six and a half, not five foot seven because it won't fit. But what you always have to bear in mind is it's their Christmas. So it is important. That, and it's, it's great, but it's, it's difficult. And is it, is it a profitable business? Oh, yeah, it's profitable. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't Can you, can you make a lot of money out of it, though? I'm not going to say a lot you, of money. If you've got a, a bit of land, you think, oh, I could go for a few Christmas trees on that. A lot of people have got pieces of land over the years and I've sold them thousands and thousands of trees that thought they were going to make a lot of money out of Christmas trees. If you're going to grow Christmas trees, you're going to grow any crop, you've got to manage it. Oh, smell that. Such a strong smell. Really hits you in the nose, doesn't it? Norway spruce being felled, yeah. It's a strong smell. We've seen those tiny little twigs yeah. that are about to grow into big Christmas trees, but this... This is where they end up, and this is where the felling's taking place. Yeah. These are big 50, 60 foot trees. This is the final, the end product, if you like. And here we are at the bottom of a very tall tree. We're just sort of peering up into the sky. At the bottom, it's been sawed into, hasn't it, already? Yeah, this is one that Paul is preparing to fell, and he's cut the toes off the tree, which are the little bits that extend out to give the tree support. Paul cuts those off so that he can then cut the tree and put some what they call a gobbin, which is the little V there, which will make the tree fall where Paul wants it to fall, not where the tree wants to fall. Are we so safe? It's, it's only, I mean, it's a big tree. This. Are we safe? We're safe here. <laughs> Obviously, we wouldn't be within falling distance of the tree when Paul starts to fell. That's some thump. Where will that tree go? Paul will now take all the branches and the top off and depending on the quality of the tree it will go either for saw logs or it will go for rough uh, sort of pallet work and stuff like that or it will go for chipwood. The absolute worst will go for biomass. And that tree, it was originally grown to be a Christmas tree but it wasn't, it wasn't the best shape, all those kinds of things so it's grown a bit taller and it's going to go into the timber market, isn't it? That's right. We have taken over the years lots of 25, 30 footers out of here. These are the trees that weren't up to scratch and have grown on into a timber crop. And the next step for this wood will be to clear fell it in five to ten years' time and replant. Well, lots of Christmas trees have already made their way from Castle Howard to towns, villages, businesses all around Yorkshire. And I'm going to follow one now. We're going to go to York Castle Museum, where... I think they're going to be decorating their tree this afternoon. Well, I've driven for about 15 miles just south of Castle Howard. I've come to York and I'm in York Castle Museum and I'm here to meet Faye Pryor who works for York Castle Museum because in the corner of that drawing room over there is a Castle Howard Christmas tree. There is indeed. We've got it decorated up um, as though it was a late Victorian Christmas. It's covered in candles. Ours aren't lit, but they would have been. 
Um, and it's also covered in kinds of toys and decorations that you would have been able to buy at the end of the Victorian period. And of course we've got this little Christmas tree from Castle Howard up here, but you've got a great big Castle Howard Christmas tree downstairs. And We do. Are we going to decorate it? Yep, let's go and have a look. We've just come round the corner where we see the tree. Must be about, what, 12, 15 feet high? Yeah, we are going to have candles all over it. They will be fake candles, I will say. But in the Victorian period, they did say that for a tree this size, you want a maximum of 600 candles. 600 candles? Yes, 600 candles on a tree that's around about 12 to 15 foot high. We've got the garlands going up. Greenery has been a feature of Christmas in Britain um, since the beginning of Christmas in Britain, really. And people would have greenery coming into their homes. They would decorate, if they were in the town or the countryside, it didn't matter. Everyone would get as much as they could into their homes and churches as well. Well, the lights are being unravelled and untangled as we speak. They're about to go up on the tree and you have got a couple of beautiful little... Well, they're like Victorian decorations, but these are, these are handmade, they aren't they? They are handmade cornucopias, just like the Victorians would have done. Now tell us what a cornucopia is. It's a horn of plenty. So the idea is, in the Victorian period, you represent your horn of plenty by making a cone out of paper with these lovely little pictures this on it. This is a lovely paper cone. Yeah. It's, got, it's, got, it's really Victorian style, doesn't it? With very Christmassy as well. And you fill them with sweets, and these are filled with sugared almonds. Well, I think we should put these on the tree. Yes. Should we do that? Okay, let's do that. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.